Shabbat Shalom. Welcome to Blessed and Kept. Today is the conclusion of the episode from last week. Just a heads up, this episode ends with a parable. If you have any comments or questions about this episode, you can contact us at CertainDepth.com. Here is Freedom in Two Parts, Part 2. When I think about slavery, many negative emotions spring up. Slavery sounds awful, but there's one emotion that I don't equate with slavery. Fear. Of all the words I would use to describe slavery, scary isn't one of them. Suffocating, joyless, shameful, militaristic, even safe sometimes, but not scary. Do you know what's really scary? Freedom. That's why a huge distance exists between knowing I'm free and living that freedom. Because if I live like I'm free, like a son and not a slave, that means that I have to actually be me. I can't hide behind my humor or my good looks or my bad looks or my intelligence or my physical abilities or all the nice things I do for my wife and my friends. No more masks. It's not that I don't believe people will love me if I don't have my masks, if I'm just me. But I have come to rely on these false identities for so long that being rid of them feels violating. I feel naked. It's really scary to let myself be seen, to let myself be loved. It's a lot easier to just keep performing, keep earning the love so I can justify it. Because the alternative is to walk out into the sea in front of everyone, fully trusting that everything will be okay. And it's really hard to be that brave. A parable. The recently freed slaves still marveled at their newfound freedom. Although they don't dare fully celebrate just yet, hints of their jubilation bubble to the surface. Having witnessed God perform miracle after miracle against the hard heart of Pharaoh and the Egyptian people, nothing could shake their faith that God would continue to lead them until they reached the edge of the Red Sea. As quickly as the angel of death passed over them, his companion, the angel of doubt, swept in. Do enough boats even exist in the world? Did God liberate us only to have us starve at the edge of the sea? The doubtful murmurs grew to shouts of protest as they passed from one edge of the camp to the other. Still, after all they had seen, after the darkness swept over Egypt but the sun shone bright in Goshen, after the blood destroyed the Nile but the wells of Goshen bubbled over, after the frogs and the locusts and the hail harassed the Egyptians but left God's people alone, and after their firstborn had been spared by the blood of the Lamb, surely the God orchestrating all of this had more wonders to unleash. Egyptian war horns drowned the hope that remained. 
Just as the murmurs had grown to protests from the sea to the outer edge of camp, fear grew to panic as it moved from the outer edges of camp to the edge of the sea. Then the wailing began. The cries reached higher than the Egyptian horns, the sorrow thick. Yahweh had liberated them from slavery to be massacred by the sea. Only Moses remained resolute. He walked to the edge of the sea, allowing the water to lap onto his toes and soak his sandals. He stood staring across the vast body of water, staff in hand, the same staff that had accompanied him through all the miracles in Egypt, the same staff that turned into a snake and devoured the staffs of the Egyptian priests. Overcome by the spirit, he raised his staff into the air and plunged it into the sea. The water shot to the sky like an arrow, two enormous walls of water inched further apart, creating a path on the seafloor. Even Moses stumbled backward at the sight, the overwhelming power. The entire camp stood mouth agape in awe. Of all the plagues in Egypt, this was the most miraculous and terrible of them all. The Israelites toward the back began pressing in on those in the front, but those in the front didn't dare take a step towards this new act of God. They flowed to the sides of the camp to let the people behind them be the first to step between the treacherous water walls. Some resolutely took a few steps toward the sea, but every person who got their chance followed in the assembly line along the sides of the camp, not daring to go any closer than the water's edge. Children ran unafraid toward the water and were hastily snatched up by their parents before reaching the sea. The people of Israel became a moving mass and the panic rose again. Each time someone would muster the courage to enter, their courage failed at the edge of the water. The war horns of the Egyptians closed in. First the arrows rained down. Then the chariots arrived. Finally, the foot soldiers charged through. As quickly as doubt swept over the entire encampment of Israelites, the angel of death finally had his turn. None was left alive. Moses dropped to his knees in despair. The moment his staff fell from his hand, the walls of water began to fall. The great messenger of Yahweh, who defied an empire, was swallowed up by the sea along with all memory of the God who cares for and rescues the oppressed and broken peoples of the world. To this day, the world only knows inequality and oppression as it moves from one enslaving empire to the next. Mm -hmm.